Welcome to a special edition series of the Choose Optimism podcast, where we will focus on the 10 stanzas of the Optimist Creed. We have asked some of our past international presidents to tell us about their year and to discuss a stanza of the creed that is important to them. And at this time, it is my pleasure to introduce the 2000-2001 Optimist International President, Bob Garner. Bob, Thank you for being with us today. Pleasure. Now, one of the things we talk about on the Choose Optimism podcast is we talk about our optimist story. Bob, what is your optimist story? Tell us how you became involved as a member of your club. Well, actually, uh, I became involved uh, first. Before I became a member of a club, I became uh, involved in an optimist activity. Uh, different parts of the country, as president, we get to see uh, all of the different clubs across uh, the world, actually. And uh, different parts of the country have different areas in which they have a great interest. And in South Florida, the interest is in tremendously in sports. That doesn't mean we don't participate in all the other activities, such as oratorical contests, um, essay contests, uh, appreciation of youth, etc. However, we're very heavy in sports. So I was actually coaching my two young sons and um, in, in, a, in a sports program sponsored by the Optimist Club of Miami West Kendall. And uh, once I started coaching, I was asked to join that club. And I told them at that point that I would be more than happy to join their club because the coaches were all members. Uh, however, I really had no time to participate in meetings and other things Optimus. And that was uh, circa 1981. And fast forward to 2000, 2001, I was the international president. So along the way, uh, I must admit, I did attend a few meetings, a few conferences, and spent quite a bit of time learning about optimism and certainly learning a lot about uh, what we're talking about today, the Optimist Creed. Bob, tell us about your journey on to becoming Optimist International President. Well, I kind of gave you an intro of becoming Optimist International President, but like any other optimist, uh, the whole the whole purpose of of joining the organization is to serve youth, 100% to serve youth, and really, uh, not only is our central focus, it's it's our primarily uh, only focus, other than self learning and opportunities to learn how to do many things involved in uh, being part of a larger organization. So first, uh, once I started to attend club meetings, I became a club president, then a, uh, a governor, uh, what we call a district governor of the South Florida district. Uh, and from there, you start to get involved in the international activities because you attend international events, international training, and other things that, uh, that prepare you even though you may not be seeking, that prepare you to move to higher office. So I was district governor in 88, 89. Uh, and shortly after that, I was asked to um, participate more in uh, one or two committees at the international level, uh, leadership development, uh, finance, et cetera. And uh, at that point, I was elected to be an international vice president. Uh, I served as an international vice president um, for two terms. And at that point in time, the international vice presidents were a member of members of the board of directors. So as I, so I was a director and an international vice president from 93-94 and 94-95. We served two different presidents at that particular time. And uh, from there, I went, uh, continued on in my work. One of the areas that was very interesting to me was the area of administration and finance, because that's critically important to run an organization of our size. And uh, so I served as the international finance chair uh, for three different presidents, uh, three completely different presidents. I served um, some of those that will listen to this podcast will remember. Uh, I served as president for President Katz, uh, President J. Wayne Smith, and um, President Jim Hubbard, and uh, we had very successful years. We we had grown dramatically from uh, Ken Monchi's year up until that particular time, and uh, I received a call one evening and uh, was told that the 
candidate qualifications committee had nominated me or was going to nominate me for president of Optimus International should I choose to uh, proceed down that course. And frankly, I was quite surprised. Um, past international president John Real was the one that called me. And so I agreed to do that. And uh, the rest is kind of history, as you said. Now, from the year you were president, is there a memory or something that sticks out that was a highlight or something that was a favorite thing from the year you were president? Well, there were a lot of interesting things when I was president. Uh, one of the things is we had 52 districts at that time. And so my wife and I, and this is very much uh, a journey for a husband and wife. It's not just the president because um, the first lady is, is integral to the success of any Optimus year. And uh, Tony uh, traveled with me 48 weeks out of 52 across the uh, optimist world and were able to visit many, many, many optimists at their district meetings uh, and other activities throughout uh, the organization, which truly is the highlight, meeting optimists and being able to share our thoughts, learning from them about what they would like to do so that we can improve uh, the future was a critical part. However, there is one thing that I would share, and most everybody within the optimist organization is aware of this. Um, the year... Uh, Every optimist uh, president is very uh, excited about having their convention, which is the convention at the conclusion of their year. And, and it's usually held in June or July. And we were in Orlando, Florida, interestingly enough. And uh, I had to leave that convention for about uh, eight hours. Uh, and I left it for a really good uh, reason. I left it because uh, during the the winter in January, we were actually in the Rose Bowl Parade, and I had met with the presidents of Rotary, Lion, Awanis at the Rose Bowl, and we had talked about what we'd like to do as a group. And we decided upon one mission that we thought was really important because identity and knowledge of what you're doing in the world is, is very, very important for all these volunteer organizations. So we arranged on July the 3rd at 11 o'clock in the morning to visit the White House. So uh, those three gentlemen and I sat down with uh, George Bush and Laura Bush in the Roosevelt Room, had a delightful meeting talking about what we could do in the future. And we agreed at that point in time that we would each, each organization during George Bush's term would mentor one million youth. So four million youth being mentored appropriately through the Boys and Girls Club model, which is true mentoring, not just taking them to a movie or or two, but to actually get to know the young uh, gentleman or the young lady and, and make a difference in their lives. And we agreed to that. And uh, the meeting concluded when we were supposed to leave. President Bush, by the way, I say it was July 3rd, so the following day obviously was a holiday. He said, you know what? I really appreciate the volunteer work. I've gone to a lot of Optimus breakfasts. And he goes, I'd like to invite you into my office and show you where I do my work. And so uh, we went, of course, Mr. President, and we left the room and spent an hour in the Oval Office and uh, we're off to a phenomenal start and actually a tremendous start. And unfortunately, the world was changed forever with uh, what happened in September 9-11. And um, we were unable to follow through with all of those uh, great goals that we had set. But that was certainly a highlight of my year is being able to work with those other gentlemen and with the President of the United States uh, and to hopefully uh, move volunteerism and move helping our youth, which nothing, nothing is more port, important than helping our youth. Uh, that was a very important part of my year. That's a pretty big highlight to go be invited into the Oval Office. Yeah, it was really amazing. It was really amazing. And, and talking with the President was a very relaxing um, experience for the simple reason that he very much believes in the philosophy of our creed. Um, and obviously the one that I was talking about today, peace of mind, couldn't be more appropriate. One individual in the world and many, many, we all actually need to maintain a lifestyle with a peace of mind. But certainly the president of the United States has got to maintain some kind of peace of mind. And 
I'm sure his peace of mind was tested three months later, but it was a great experience uh, that I'll never forget. And I think I've kept in touch with those other gentlemen that were in that meeting with me. And uh, it was a real highlight for lots of reasons. And certainly the fact that we all committed to working with the youth of the world and making the world a better place. Now, when we talk about the Optimist Creed, one of the things that we try as optimists to do is to live the Optimist Creed. Your line is the first line of our creed. Promise yourself to be so strong that nothing can disturb your peace of mind. Tell us a little bit about how this line resonates with you. Well, it's really easy uh, how it resonates. I really do believe, and you know, you need to know a little bit about the creed, I'm sure. But some of our listeners need to know that this, the genesis of the creed was, it's not something that was created by the optimist. Um, a very fine gentleman by the name of Christian D. Larson was the one that actually wrote the verse, uh, a Norwegian gentleman who grew up in Iowa. But it was actually written in 1912. It had 14 verses. And uh, the, really, uh, the, the creed itself, with a very, very little change, was adopted in 1922 by optimists. But we only adopted 12. Uh, nothing really monumental about the fact we use the 12, but they seem most appropriate. I happen to think that the first line of the creed, promise yourself to be so strong that nothing can disturb your peace of mind, sets the table perfectly for the remainder of the creed. The creed is not about something that you read and teach. The creed is something that you live and emulate, and good optimist members emulate that so that those that participate in our programs and those to whom we reach out can benefit from that kind of exposure. And living the creed is very, very straightforward. I was very fortunate because my grandfather told me when I was quite young that he had a he had a saying that everything happens for a reason and, and uh, everything happens for the best. That's a little bit difficult sometimes time to accept unless you try to look at the positive perspective. And when you look through our creed, that's exactly what it tells you in every single stand, stanza. In other words, when you're talking, you can all, I, I never use the word and I won't even say it on this podcast, but it begins with the letter P. I always like to say the opportunity with that suggestion is. In other words, everything can have an opportunity. We learn uh, from our opportunities of failure or learn from our opportunities of mistake. And hopefully we take what we learn and make sure that we strive always to look at things from an optimistic and positive perspective. I must tell you, I personally believe there's... Uh, there's no value in looking the other way. So I believe that the that the first, <clears throat> excuse me, stanza of the creed sets the table for that. If you uh, maintain a strong peace of mind and a positive state of mind and a strong self-esteem, you want to have issues with having to look at the alternatives. And interesting enough, at the turn of the century, when Christian D. Larson wrote the creed, those were very challenging times for many. Obviously, we all know what happened in the 20s and the Great Depression and some of the challenges that we had to uh, deal with, as uh, as certainly is in, in our country, the United States, as well as other countries around the world were being challenged. So what better way to approach it than an era of optimism? And sure enough, later on in the century, we saw the fruits of our labors because great things happened, the Industrial Revolution, etc. And so uh, I just think it's the only way to live, not just a choice, but the only way to live and live a happy life and a healthy life and one of prosperity. And we're not talking about prosperity in terms of, of, of money necessarily. We're talking about prosperity in terms of happiness and good health. Talk about, let's let's talk a little bit about the promise yourself to be so strong. There's a form of resilience with that that let, must resonate with people that they have to be strong to keep going through troubling times. Let's talk a little bit about that. What does that mean to you when we're when we're moving forward? And here, hold on, let me back up. I'm sorry. When we talk about being, promise yourself to be so strong that nothing can disturb your peace of mind, we want to be resilient. Let's 
let's talk a little bit about that being resilient and standing up for things and doing good things in our community, because that's a huge part of being an optimist. Well, it's interesting that the word strong is used there because you'd have to look at the definition for what's strong. That's not necessarily from strength. Once again, it's dealing with, in my in my humble opinion and my interpretation, is that's why it's included. It's a it's an integral part of peace of mind is strength. It takes it takes a lot of personal fortitude and it takes a lot of conviction and a lot of motivation to absolutely work with yourself and your peace of mind to bring the most positive outcomes and to bring the most optimistic perspective to things with which you're confronted because we're confronted daily. As a matter of fact, one of the things I like to talk about when I talk to youth groups, I don't think there's a better time in history than today to work very diligently to have a satisfactory peace of mind. We're bombarded with many perspectives that aren't positive. Let's be honest. Uh, And of course, the amazing thing about the electronic media, which has just taken incredible strides in the last 15, 20 years, there's positive and negative to that if you want to look at the negative, because it preaches a lot of negativity. What we have to do is we have to make our own decisions. We have to be sure that we are open, honest, and fair to everything we hear but we also have to teach our youth that don't take everything that you hear on any particular media as gospel. Quite the contrary, it's just information. And so therefore we must provide them with an extremely good base so that they can take what they hear, make their own good decisions, be very diligent about listening to everyone's perspective. Everyone's perspective, as bad as it may sound, has value. Because from there you can build your, your mores, personal social mores and values. And from there, That's why it's so important as optimist leaders or any adult leader, any adult leader to emulate and set the principle and certainly the guidance for our youth to feel strong that they can make good decisions. I really do believe that, you know, God gave us one mouth and two ears and it's so critical. And I I try to always give more time listening to our youth than trying to preach to our youth. And sometimes that doesn't happen. They are inundated with many things and I think they're listening well. And I think that we now need to turn around and listen to them because they're our future. They're our total future. And whether they are influenced by through their educational um, exposure or through their social exposure, through their recreational exposure. All of these things are important to them as they live a beautiful life and a happy, prosperous, and healthy life going forward. And by the way, I I would emphasize health because health is largely driven and influenced by the peace of mind with which we live our life. And the the creed speaks to that in numerous stanzas. So uh, as far as the strength goes, the strength is inner strength and the strength is Bill. Okay, we lost Bob. Um, I'm gonna stop. Tell me when to start. Now. So really, when we talk about the strength, uh, we we I should start over. It, it said recording in progress. Should I start over again? You're recording right now. All right. So you can you can edit this where you want to. So I'll start again. So when you talk about uh, strength, we're not talking about physical strength. We're talking about inner strength, and it relates perfectly to the peace of mind. We can't have inner strength without having good peace of mind and. As we talked about in uh, communicating with our children, those that peace of mind is is going to be built, and that strength is going to be built on the inner values, uh, the inner social mores, and all of the things that that allow our youth to be strong as they move forward into the future. And they must have that fundamental base, which we as optimists can emulate in everything we do when we have exposure with these uh, young citizens. And that is critical 
to our success uh, as an organization and certainly our mission uh, as Optimus International. And that's one of the main focus here, Bob, is people really don't talk about that. A lot of clubs are not doing these one-on-one activities with kids anymore, and we're really struggling you know, to recruit members to do this. And I think if we focus on helping the youth in our community and showing them what it means to be an optimist, we could really do a lot of difference and good in the world. Well, you hit on a very tremendous challenge of this organization today, and we must, again, approach it in a positive way. Uh, The membership of this organization uh, is directly related to, I think, society. And this is true of uh, many organizations, particularly in certain countries. In other countries, particularly in the Far East and uh, our Activities that we have in in uh, the Caribbean uh, have done fine with membership, and in fact, their membership is growing. In certain countries, uh, people want instant gratification, particularly in America, to some extent in Canada. So, consequently, uh, they're not in for the long run, and they'll do certain projects such as the Habitat for Humanity model, where they go out and spend a weekend, feel really good. They volunteered, they've made a difference. Whereas an Optimus International. It's a long commitment, and in reality, notwithstanding the fact that we have clubs that deal with communities, you just hit the nail on the head, Shane, when you said it's one-on-one. You never even realize, sporting sport clubs are a great example. You don't realize which ones you are touching, and in reality, you're touching all of those young participants, but you don't know which one you're really making a difference with. You may have 20 people on a team, 30, 40, depending on the sport. However, each one is really paying attention to your leadership. And so consequently, it is important to do that one-on-one. And when we tell our story, we can't tell it from the perspective of it's really good to get together as a club and have meetings. That's not what it's about. We have to talk about each young child that we make contact with. We are going to make a difference in their life because we are taking time to spend quality opportunities with that young lady or that young gentleman. So Recruitment is difficult. We are looking at many different models. We probably don't have the answer, but we're not the only ones that don't have the answer. And one thing that we cannot do is to just say, well, we cannot do anymore and our mission is not going to be realized. Quite the contrary. We have to push forward. We have to be uh, approach this with a great deal of resolve. We have to put our heads together and we have to make certain that once again, what I talked about a moment ago, we must listen. We must listen carefully to all age groups. And that's why in our joy program with the uh, uh, high school age and our college programs with the college age uh, members, it's really critical to listen. And, you know, we include the joy president on our board of directors as an ad hoc member. And uh, I really enjoy every time that we meet to hear their perspective. And we have some incredible, incredible leaders that are growing organically through our program. So we just can't give up. Uh, never give up and uh, continue to work hard. And there are many, many optimists that are very committed to that. And that that encourages me. And I'm optimistic about that every day. Which just goes to show if we promise ourselves to be so strong, we can nothing can disturb our peace of mind. Oh, you're you're absolutely right about that. I think we've had a good discussion about that. I think it's uh, it, it, it's a good beacon to which we can um, to which we can move toward. And as a matter of fact, it is probably once again, and I, you know, maybe I'm a little prejudiced about this, but I do really do believe it is the essence of the creed. And as I discuss that with others, particularly new clubs, I always enjoy bringing in new clubs. Um, I was very involved in, in all of the new clubs in Jamaica and actually chartered them as a district um, in 1992. 
So every club I talk with, the last thing we do, and at the as you well know, at the last uh, the last thing we do in every meeting, every gathering, every time we get together, we say the creed. So what I do with new clubs when I bring them in is I really take time. I'd like to take ten or fifteen minutes and spend a moment or two, a moment or two on all twelve segments one by one because it's the first time they've heard it, and you really don't have to say too much. If you just pause, speak it slowly, it really tells the story itself. I love also the tenet that says to forget the mistakes of the past and press on to the greater achievements of the future. That says it all. Uh, we, we have to learn from our mistakes and move forward. And once again, none of these tenets, if you don't live your life with peace of mind, are you able to fully embrace and emulate all of the tenets of the creed. And I hope I'm hoping that these tenets of the creed and this breakdown will help optimists and other people try to live a more optimistic and better life. Because if we follow the creed and we do, if we follow the creed and be, be true optimists and live the creed, we are only going to make the world a better place. Well, you're certainly right about that. And you know what is interesting? If you look around and the people with whom you associate, and let's, let's face it, we associate with lots of people in our lives, depending upon um, what endeavors we have in business or social or recreational or other areas of our life. If you look around and you see the people that are happy, successful with uh, families that are successful and happy and healthy, you'll find if you just think about it a little bit and get to know them a little bit, they already emulate most of the tenets of the creed. So it's so exciting to share that. I like to always have copies of the creed with me. Uh, and also I'll put one in a letter or two and someone I've just met because you can almost quickly assess that they are living, many people are living the tenets of the creed and so I'm sure they would love to associate with us in one form or another, not necessarily in the traditional membership form, but associate with optimists and optimist, uh, optimist members and optimist as ter in terms of people. I want to separate that. You don't have to be an optimist member to be an optimistic person and to live by the tenets of the creed. So I'm sure that we will find that many people that we meet along the way, and if you if you go back and look in history, there's been a number of uh, leaders up to presidents that have been, been been former Optimist members. Bob, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time to help our listeners start learning the creed and understanding the creed better, and hopefully, possibly living in the creed. Well, it's been a pleasure, and uh, you're talking with a with a good group of individuals and in the past presidents because they all have different perspectives. But I think you'll find one central theme, and that is number one: we are for forever indebted uh, to the organization for being able to uh, spend a year as as the leader and you'll find the perspectives pretty much run the same theme and their their optimism and their uh dedication to the growth of our organization and appreciation to what the organization has provided for them uh, is pretty central we get to meet once a year and we share our thoughts and uh, with each succeeding year we get more and more convinced that uh, what we did was worthwhile and that we really appreciate the opportunity that we are able to do as a leader of Optimus International. I couldn't have wrapped it up any better myself. Please join us in reciting the Optimus Creed with our past international presidents. Promise yourself to be so strong that nothing can disturb your peace of mind. To talk health, happiness, and prosperity to every person you meet. To make all your friends feel that there is something in them. To look at the sunny side of everything and make your optimism come true. To think only of the best, to work only for the best, and to expect only the best. To be just as enthusiastic about the success of others as you are about your own. To forget the mistakes of the past and press on to the greater achievements of the future.
To wear a cheerful countenance at all times and give every living creature you meet a smile. To give so much time to the improvement of yourself that you have no time to criticize others. To be too large for worry, too noble for anger, too strong for fear, and too happy to prevent the presence of trouble. Thank you for listening to this series focused on the Optimist Creed. The Optimist Creed is the official creed of Optimist International adopted in 1922. The creed is something that every member of Optimist International strives to follow. To find out more about the opportunities of Optimist International, please visit our website or better yet, find a local Optimist club in your area to start helping make the world a better place.